The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Welcome to New Reflections. We're back this week with a great show. We're going to be talking about the skinny on fat. We're talking all about fat transfer. We're going to tell you all the details you need to know. Fat transfer is actually not that new a technique when you look at the history of, of doing fat transfer. But what's new is the popularity and the success in using fat transfer. You can use fat from your body for all sorts of benefits. All places in your body can be reshaped, molded, sculpted by using your own fat, which is a very natural solution. We're going to talk about all the details relating to having fat transfer done. Now, we have three excellent guests going to be on the show today. We're going to start off with Dr. Sidney Coleman. We'll be joined after that by Dr. Roger Curry. And uh, lastly, Dr. Cameron Kubehi. We're going to have a great conversation about fat transfer. I want to remind you, call into the show anytime. You can reach us at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792 to speak to our experts. And I have to tell you, this week, we have a tremendous panel of experts. These are really the, the greatest minds in fat grafting and some, some of the people that have made the, the largest contrib- contributions into the world of fat grafting. Now, fat grafting started a long, long time ago, but it's becoming more and more popular in recent years. In 2010, there were over 57,000 fat transfer procedures performed in the United States. That's a 14% increase from just the year before in 2009. When you look at the history of fat grafting, it actually, the first report, it started in 1893. There's a Dr. Franz Neuber who was a German surgeon, it took fat from someone's arm and used it to contour their face where they had a little defect or deficiency, kind of a hollow spot in the face. And that was the first report of the use of fat. And one of the most famous early reports of fat use was for breast augmentation. A, a Dr. Carl Cherney, also German, took some fat out of a patient's back and used it in her breast. And that was actually not only one of the early reports of fat grafting, but probably the earliest uh, attempt at breast augmentation. Fat's a great solution. It's natural. You have no worries about rejection of the fat because you're using your own stuff. It's soft. It's supple. It, it has lots of benefits as an augmenting material. And, and, well, let's get to it. Let's start talking about how this all works. I want to introduce my first guest who's very kind to join us this week. He's going to be speaking in, uh, after this show wraps up today, he'll be speaking at a, a large meeting in New York about his research and his work in fat grafting. I'm introducing right now Dr. Sidney Coleman, practices in New York, board-certified plastic surgeon. Dr. Coleman, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm happy to be here, Dr. Rubenstein. Well, it's our pleasure to have you, and, and I know that we may have some noise in the background, and that's fine. Uh, Dr. Coleman is 
finding a quiet alcove to join us from in New York where he can uh, uh, be able to help us and be on the show. So we appreciate it. But tell me, how does fat transfer work? Uh, well, first of all, I wanted to add on to what you were talking about as far as the history goes, because in by 1908, there were descriptions of fat injections in, in the um, uh, uh, reconstructive uh, world uh, for facial atrophy and for breast augmentation after um, uh, bad scars. And well, I see, think that's a there you go. So it's really it's really not that new an idea. And so what, what we're talking about is that the the the, uh, the cases that I was telling you about the 1890s, these doctors were taking actually chunks of fat, you know, pieces, cutting out a big block of fat and sliding it into a pocket where you'd use it. Now the modern techniques, and Dr. Coleman's going to describe, and what he's telling actually started in 1908 were removing fat in tiny little globules and then injecting the fat through syringes. A little bit different technique. So that, that's pretty much what's being done today, though, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And one of the really exciting things, I mean, truly exciting, is if you look back and see how the fat was used in 1908, 1912, uh, 1926, in, in different reports, it's used a lot to treat scarring as well as to problems. And that's, that's one of the exciting things about fat grafting in today's world is it's not just a filler uh, like people think it is. It actually is doing a lot more. And, and I, I want to really go through that with you a little bit. But the important thing is uh, that, that we first started doing was when uh, liposuction arrived, we had a much easier way of, of putting fat into um, or taking fat from one area and putting it into another of the body. So the initial use was uh, filling. And, um, and I, I, in 1988, I presented my first paper on fat grafting. And uh, the fact that it lasted about a year and a half at that point, uh, I knew. And then I kept following the patients and found the fat never went away. It became a uh, living um, a part of, of the area that, that the fat was placed into. But so let's talk, let's talk about that for a moment. So what we're talking about, uh, Dr. Coleman saying, well, liposuction came along and we had an easier way of getting the fat out. And so once we were able to use liposuction techniques to remove the fat, it was easier to then inject it back into the areas we wanted to use. And some of the early criticism of the technique was that the stuff wouldn't last. You put the fat in, you get a nice result, and so it lasts for a while and eventually goes away. But the truth is, and, and what you found and others have found, is that the fat incorporates, just like any other graft, like a skin graft or any other form of grafting, when it gets incorporated back into the body, it lives, and it continues to live for the duration of the patient's life. Well, you know, it's just like a ficus tree. If, if, if anyone can kill a ficus tree, I mean, uh, I've had a few that, that, that haven't survived. And, and, uh, but, but they definitely can live if you treat them right and take care of them. And I think fat grafting is very similar. Anyone can kill fat. You know, all you have to do is do the wrong thing. Uh, and, and because it is living fragile tissue, um, not so fragile as, as you might think, but relatively fragile. And, uh, and, and so certain techniques work. And I, I was fortunate that I happened upon one of the techniques which has uh, really stood the test of time. Well, so let's talk about that technique. Tell, tell my audience, how is this done? Someone comes to Dr. Coleman and says, Dr. Coleman, 
you know, my, my cheeks are looking a little sunken. Uh, my temples are a little sunken. I, I want to refresh my look. Let's do it with fat. How does this work? Well, the first thing I always do is I spend a lot of time with the patient to make sure that I understand what they want and, and, and to make sure they understand what happens with fat grafting. And uh, so that's the most important thing. And then after we decide on the course of action, and I like to draw blueprints and, and actually map it out for the patient uh, with their help, uh, then, then I, I mark it on them and uh, using markers to show where I'm going to put the fat so they can see where, where it's going, and then take it from most often the abdomen or the thighs, but also the flanks and love handles or even the knees. Uh, but I'll take it from an area like that. I think a really important thing to do is to remove all of the non-living elements in it because there's a lot of oil, there's a lot of water, and and that gives you uh, a way of knowing how much fat you're putting in, and it removes the sort of contaminants. Um, so uh, so I, that that's the process that I, I do by centrifuging the fat and pouring off the oil and letting the uh, blood and lidocaine or the aqueous, the water portions of, of the fat, uh, get out. And then the most important thing is I put it into very small syringes. I've harvested it in, in larger syringes, 10cc syringes or 30cc, and then I place it with 1cc syringes in very little tiny amounts with each pass. So for me to put in a fifth of a teaspoon of fat around the eye, I'll make 50 passes. So, oh, so, you're really, uh, so you're really making a lot of passes with that. Now, what about, what about the trauma to the tissue? You know, so if you're taking your, your – you have a blunt cannula, so I know it's soft, and you're passing it. But what we're talking about is when you're actually placing the fat in. You're removing the fat from the tummy or the hips or thighs, and then Dr. Coleman described how he prepares it. And, and there's lots of different ways to prepare it and some, some controversy and lots of different techniques that people use. But once it's prepared – uh, the, I think the common knowledge is is what Dr. Coleman is talking about, and, and he's uh, you know, I call it common knowledge. You're the one that made a common knowledge, Dr. Coleman, uh, to use one cc syringes in a small amounts, injecting small amounts at a time. But wow, that's really small. Fifty passes of of a single one cc syringe. Yeah, and there there are several reasons for doing that. One is to uh, in the lower eyelid is where I'm, I specifically use that many passes because if you put in too big of an amount, it will end up being a bump. It will be, end up being visible through the skin. Uh, and, and it also is important to put it in in tiny amounts to make sure that every part of the fat is near a good blood supply. Uh, and yeah, then, there's no doubt that, that you know, the blood supply is, is what's so important. That's why fat grafting to the face works so well. And, of course, using small amounts, well, that will help each individual little bit of fat that you're grafting. That will help it survive. So now that you, you've got the grafts in, do you have any special way that you care for the patient afterwards? Actually, no. They, they pretty much take care of themselves afterwards. One of the unfortunate things about making... 50 passes to put a, uh, a cc or a fifth of a teaspoon in is that uh, you do create some swelling. Uh, there, it's my personal believing that that's an important part of the graft surviving uh, because you're setting up a situation in which your body, uh, your body's hormones are, are, are trying to adjust to the fat that's there and make a new blood supply and make sure there's a good blood supply there.
So one of the one of the be- side benefits of the technique is that you're you're making the body get inflamed in that area, and that inflammation is helping it, the body, helping that area specifically to uh, help increase the amount of blood flow there, which is going to help the graft survive. It's one of the surprising things that I discovered almost immediately is that when you put fat into scars or traumatized area, it, it acts differently, uh, I think due to the different hormones and so forth that, that, that are present. So it, it, it actually is somewhat intelligent, um, the fat is, when you graft it, in that um, it can sort of identify what's going on there and do the appropriate thing. We have, in the last 10 years, discovered that fat has a large amount of stem cells in it. And these are really not stem cells like you make babies out of or teeth out of, but stem cells that are repair cells. So if you cut yourself or you break a bone, your fat is involved in repairing that, the, the, the cut or the bone or, or other things. Um, and one of the reasons perhaps that there's so many areas of fat in the body is it's one of our big repair organs. So that's an exciting element of, of, of this grafting of the fat is that it has stem cells which are sort of somewhat intelligent and, and secrete their own types of hormones. That, that tell not only the fat what to do, but the surrounding tissues. That really, you know, this is it's an amazing advancement in medical science and things that we're, these are things we're just really beginning to learn about. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about our intelligent fat and where it can be used around the body. Join us in just a few moments, taking a short break here on New Reflections. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You 
are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We're speaking with Dr. Sidney Coleman, who is a pioneer in the use of fat grafting and fat transfer. Uh, we were just talking about how intelligent our fat is, and in fact, that it behaves differently where you put it and is able to figure out what needs to be done in the, in the area where it's placed, and, uh, and it, it does it. And we're talking about a little bit about stem cells, and, and we'll, we're actually planning a show on stem cells in the near future where we'll talk about the use of stem cells in aesthetics and, uh, and other uses. But right now, let's continue our talk about fat grafting. So we have this intelligent fat. Where can we put the fat? Where do you see, Dr. Coleman, uh, the use of fat being most helpful? Uh, well, fat could be put almost any place in the body. What, some of the more really interesting aspects are uh, you can put it in there to fill, like we were talking about, or... And we really didn't get into the next thing that to talk about, and that is uh, the reparative aspects. So that we've found, for instance, in breast, which is it's becoming very popular to grasp that, uh, where it was taboo not so long ago. Uh, but but we found that we can actually cure uh, radiation damage from from therapeutic radiation for cancer. Um, and before we had really no way to do that other than cut all the tissue out and bring in a free flap or a tissue from another part of the body. So this is a really good example of the reparative ability in that the fat can actually repair radiation damage. And you can take that one step further in aesthetic surgery and uh, extrapolate that it appears that it also is repairing sun damage. So uh, when, you, when you place the fat into the, the, the breast for radiation, um, you know, if you go up into the decolletage or even up into the neck or face, and, and you put that, you'll see a repair of the sun damage and aging uh, that occurs, which is uh, something that I noticed in uh, uh, the early 90s, um, but I had no idea what was happening. And then the, 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 our knowledge about stem cells and, and the reparative ability of those cells um, has become more and more apparent. You know, that's really interesting. I've been doing fat grafting now for, uh, I'd say, probably 10 years or so. And uh, it's something you notice. You know, you see patients' skin improve. And, you know, fat, in, in my practice, I use it in the face quite a bit. Uh, I've used it around the breast, even in the male chest for certain deformities. And we use it a lot in the butt. Now, the butt, we're not really looking at, um, at uh, you know, skin improvements. But in the face... Certainly, I've, I've seen and I've talked to colleagues around the country, whether it's at meetings or not, I've seen uh, lots of improvement in, in the quality of the skin. And we well, really I, didn't understand it. I think, I think that's something we see consistently. I have to disagree with you on the buttock. I mean, one of the big problems that women have is dimpling on their buttocks. And, and um, especially in, uh, toward the inner part, lower down, and uh, that happens to a lot of people. And just fat grafting with releasing the adhesions in that area can really improve the, that, that texture 
uh, it's one of the examples of, of, of another little cure. And, and I think that, that, that that is mediated by the fat stopping scarring. And some of the research we've done at NYU has, and, and now other places has demonstrated that the fat grafting actually interferes with the pathways that cause scarring. So that if you put it into an area that has uh, a scar, it not only uh, fills the area, but it actually stops the scarring from progressing. Um, Interesting. And, or reverses it if you get it in early. There are two projects at Fort Sam Houston right now, which I helped initiate, um, that, that are looking at the use of fat grafting in um, established scars and developing scars from burns. Yes, it's just incredible. I think there's tremendous potential. Well, I want to take a moment and introduce our next guest. We've got Dr. Cameron Kubehi, who practices in Louisiana. He's a board-certified plastic surgeon. And speaking about all the work that's being done, well, Dr. Kubehi has been the organizer and chairperson of uh, some annual meetings, the International Fat Grafting Forum, where a lot of this discussion is had and people hatch ideas about new work and talk about the work that's going on. Let me introduce uh, board-certified plastic surgeon, Dr. Cameron Kubehi. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for calling in and, and, and being part of the show today. Dr. Kubehi, we've been talking about all the different uses of fat, and Dr. Coleman's elaborating on some of the recent ideas and stem cells. And we're talking about throughout the body where it's used, talk about the face, the butt, and I know you've done particularly a lot of work in grafting in the breasts. Um, yes, uh, really, my fat grafting experience goes back to the, the teaching from Dr. Coleman. Um, I mean, the, he pioneered a new area in the fat grafting, and uh, I started doing it more and more focused on the breasts about 2007. And... Um, uh, but I look at it a little bit different way, and uh, my practice right now mainly focused on more and more on patients that they have implant failure, patients that had uh, multiple breast implant surgeries, and uh, they have failed saline implant, silicone implant due to capsule contracture, due to soft tissue coverage problem. And uh, I've been removing the implants and doing the fat grafting instead of the implants. So this is interesting. I mean, Dr. Coleman was just talking about the, the fat's ability to interfere with uh, scar formation and even do some repair of scarred areas. And what you're talking about is, is just that, going into these areas where there are these capsules that form around breast implants. They contract down over the years, and some patients will get significant deformity in their implants after having breast augmentation. Now, thankfully, it's not, um, it's not uh, that common, but we do see a, a reasonable number of it. And so tell us, what are you doing with the fat? How, you, how is it being used when you're taking the implants out, and what do you think the effects are? Do you see the same response as Dr. Coleman's describing? Uh, yes, basically the same response. And uh, the the one thing I've noticed is patients that, as Dr. Coleman has described in the multiple papers and uh, talk about, the change in the soft tissue and the overlying skin, that these patients that have been stretched out, been thinned out, and uh, when you're removing the implant and then doing fat grafting, uh, pretty much you see the reversal to the original uh, the quality of tissue a patient had before implantation. Um, 
Now, have you used this? Have you used this in reconstructed patients as well? Maybe some people that have had radiation. Have you seen similar repair of the skin? Um, I have used it uh, for that purpose too, and um, especially for patients post radiation. Uh, but for that one, um, I use a little bit different technique too, and I think uh, uh, I don't know Dr. Curry is going to be on, on or not. But uh, I use a Bravo system for those patients that had radiation and then apply the fat grafting because of that uh, the the force of the uh, scar tissue and the limits how much fat you can place them. So I pre-expand those tissues and then do the fat grafting. And, uh, and I've started using it also for the patients that they had implant and breast reconstruction and uh, combining with the fat in those patients to give them a little bit more soft tissue coverage over the implant. So the implant is not as palpable and you don't see the rippling. And uh, for basically for uh, patients that had uh, radiation to their chest post mastectomy, they get a lot of uh, constriction and decreased range of motion. And one thing also you notice with this patient is that when you're doing a fat grafting, because you add another layer and later on, you notice the increased range of motion. And uh, also, uh, I will not indicate that we should do it for lymphedema, but one thing is notice because of range of increased range of motion, these patients, they have decreased lymphedema. And that's really that's interesting, one. and that, that really relates, I think, you know, when Dr. Coleman was describing it. And Dr. Coleman, have you, have you done work with the breast? Have you seen similar uh, responses as what Dr. Kubehi yeah. is describing? Actually, in the, the first paper that, that I published in 2007 on um, fat grafting to the breast, I showed a few uh, examples in, in the paper. And the, the fascinating thing is that, you know, the big problem with breast implants, other than rupture, is uh, being able to see it, especially in thin patients, uh, you know, visible edges, and, and the fact it actually doesn't go up into the uh, armpit. It doesn't go up into the upper pole. And... Uh, and with fat grafting, you can you can take an implant which really isn't attractive or and looks unnatural and make it look very very natural. And there's and this isn't always that doesn't happen every time, but in many cases it really softens the breast enormously. I have to you know put the disclaimer out though that 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 it does it's not every single patient, but a lot of them it really softens them amazingly. So you you have seen the same softening. I guess it all really relates. I think it's probably mediated by the stem cell actions, but we are seeing softening of the breast tissue. And, and Dr. Kubehi, you're seeing that leading to better motion after breast reconstruction, where if they've had radiation, it's get it gets tight and constricted, and they don't feel the freedom of movement. Once you soften that up, actually functionally they improve, which is really interesting. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion about uh, fat grafting to the breast, and, and hopefully we'll be joined. We're, we should be uh, getting Dr. Roger Curry. You mentioned the Brava system, and we're going to speak with Dr. Curry about his uh, development, the, the Brava system, and how it's helping breast reconstruction and aesthetic breast surgery. We'll be back right after these short messages here on New Reflections. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. I'm the host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, board-certified plastic surgeon in Miami, Florida, and we're joined by a, a very distinguished panel, uh, Dr. Sidney Coleman, a board-certified plastic surgeon from New York, and we've got Dr. Cameron Kubehi, another board-certified plastic surgeon from Louisiana in the New Orleans area. And now I'd like to introduce our third panel member. We've got Dr. Roger Curry, board-certified plastic surgeon uh, from my neck of the woods, Miami, Florida, and, and Dr. Curry has developed a system called the Brava system that's used in, in breast reconstruction and it helps with these fat grafting techniques. You've heard Dr. Kubehi speaking about how he uses it. Now we'll hear it from the doctor's mouth, so to speak. Uh, Dr. Curry, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the line. Uh, well, I, we were just I, talking about the Brava system. Maybe you could briefly give us a little, uh, a little idea. What is the Brava system? We're talking about fat grafting to the breast. How does this Brava system play into that? Well, I developed Brava a number of years ago as a means of enlarging the breast without surgery. It applies a gentle tension on the tissues, and gradually, by pulling it up over time, you do create some tissue. It's a basic principle uh, that, uh, you know, if you've seen it in the National Geographic, as you stretch tissue, it just grows over time. Now, Brava's been on the market for a long time for this indication. What I realized, however, is while women were wearing the Brava, their breasts were huge. Now, that was not real tissue created, but edema. We were just stretching tissue. And I thought, wow, in that markedly large breast, I should be able to put much more fat graft and make sure that graft survive. I can disperse many more tiny droplets of fat, like Dr. Coleman taught us to do, just put one droplet at a time. But if you put one droplet at a time in a tiny space, you can only put so many droplets. If you make the space much larger, you can put many more droplets. And that was the idea. So we did a study. 
Uh, we followed patients for seven years, and we've got a large number of patients out. And we've proven that the larger you enlarge the breast with the brava, you can create very large breasts by a woman who decides to really wear it and be compliant with it. The larger the breast, the more fat graft you can put in, and the more you can, the more augmentation they get with their fat grafting. So it helps. I, it helps with increasing the space, and you're able to get more fat into there. And w- I think where that's really helpful. We were just talking about uh, reconstructing patients where they've had mastectomy, they've had radiation, and now we're going into this radiated skin. And, and for the listeners, when you have radiation treatment to the skin, particularly in the chest, is what we're talking about after a mastectomy. The skin gets firm. It almost gets leather-like. It's not the soft, supple, stretchy skin that we normally have. The radiation damages the skin, and uh, you know it, it makes it difficult, as Dr. Corey was just explaining, you have a small space, you can only get so much fat in it. And Dr. Kubehi was saying, well, he's had difficulty getting enough fat into those areas because of that small space. So this Brava device seems like it'd be a great fit for breast reconstruction, particularly after radiation. Have you seen a lot of use uh, after radiated uh, skin? Yes, uh, absolutely. This is actually where the challenge is, is in the radiated tissue. And you put, we give them uh, patient the Brava, and they wear the Brava for a while, and gradually they stretch out, out the radiated tissue. Now, the, the, the tissue is stiff, and you don't get as much uh, stretching uh, uh, as you would get in a normal healthy breast. Nonetheless, that is enough to prepare it. It's only it's only space, but you also prepare the blood vessels. It just becomes more fertilized. It's a better recipient site for the fat craft. So we put fat in after Brava treatments, and we soften that tissue. It becomes more normal. And after a series of fat grafting, typically two or three, uh, that radiated tissue become repopulated by healthy cells brought in by the liposuction. So then we turn a radiated a scarred breast into a healthy, normal breast. It takes us two, three sessions, and the results are really amazing. We, we rejuvenate, restore a normal breast after a, a lumpectomy and radiation, and we're able to reconstruct the total breast after mastectomy. Uh, and, and those breasts have sensation. They feel like the patient's own breast. They just feel like we've regenerated the breast again. That's really spectacular. It's one of the problems with uh, the more popular reconstructive techniques, you know, using flaps, uh, if you're going to be taking tissue from another part of the body and, and recreating a breast with it, well, those those breasts don't have sensation. So having a, a reconstructed breast with sensation and without using an implant is a terrific thing, particularly when you're talking about radiated skin, which isn't normal. Dr. Coleman was saying how much normal transformation you get, and, and, and now Dr. Curry and Dr. Kabe both agree we're seeing improvement in, in almost reverting back to normal skin over time with the use of the fat grafting. So and while I'm listening, I'm wondering, would it be a, a good idea that before you even apply the Brava device to lay a sheet of fat graft under the radiated skin, that while you're, you're getting the benefit of stretching the skin, you don't, you're not really trying to create a breast with it. You're just trying to lay in some of that cytokine or stem cell response while you're stretching the skin so you can maybe get regenerated skin sooner. Have you tried doing something like that? Well, sometimes the, 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 the contour of the skin is so wrinkled, so irregular that you can't get a seed with Brava and then you're forced to put some fats just to, to, to improve the contour or make it flat so you can get a, a Brava seal. But, you know, the limiting factor there is, is how many times you're going to bring the patient to the operating room and do surgery. 
And, and if I can do it in two procedures, I'd rather do it in two procedures. And I start the Brava, then come back a month later, do a five grafting, and then a few months later, uh, keep on the Brava in the interim, and a few months later, do a second five grafting, and we'll restore the tissues most of the time to normal. Uh, if you start with the first five grafting without the benefit of Brava already, uh, then you still, it's not as good. It's not as good. So you're not, uh, in my experience, it's best to first fertilize the field, plow it before you put the seeds. You know, I like the analogy of the farmer. And fat grafting is putting seeds in a field. If you have a tiny seed, you can only put so many seeds. And if this, the, the field is not fertilized, it's not really ready to accept grafts, you gotta, you got to plow it, you got to put fertilizer. And you do all that before you put your seeds, not at the same time. Yeah, fair point, fair point. Now, We've, we've been talking a lot about fat grafting in the breast, both for reconstruction and for, for cosmetic use. There are other parts of the body where it can be used. And so have I wonder, all of your experiences, have you used it in the hands? We've talked about it in the buttocks. I know I've used it in a male chest uh, in a case or two. I'll use it for other body contour uh, irregularities, divots that you see for traumatic injuries and what have you. Where else have you guys seen the use of fat? With the patients listening... And they have a particular problem. Where can you foresee being helpful? Well, I, I we recently published our series of uh, Dupatran treatment with fat grafting. Dupatran is a contracture of the hand that uh, occurs in people who are genetically predisposed to this. They can't open up their fingers, and the fingers curl up with time. Typically, it occurs in the early fifties, uh, uh, and it gets worse with time. Classic treatment was surgery opening up. We stopped opening. We just uh, create little space with needles, uh, loosen up that that uh, fibrous contracture, and put fat in there. And that has really shown a tremendous improvement. Um, uh, the results are very impressive. We've used this uh, in treatment of neuromas. We've used I use this for scarring. I, I use this after burns in in burn tissues. You put under a skin graft some fat, and it restores it to more normal. So they're tremendous. Besides the contour correction, the buttocks and the and the breast and the face, in the hands and in the rest of the body, uh, it's a great way to treat scars and contractures. So, so this is exactly what you were talking about, Dr. Coleman. Any other uh, Dupatrins, which is a, a pretty uh, large problem when someone gets it in the hand, and you know, surgical improvement of that is, is usually a temporary improvement because they tend to recur, I guess, with the use of fat. That's exciting, not having to go... It's a, it's a difficult operation to perform as well. Not having to do you know, peel out all that, that thick, fibrous tissue out of the hand, that's a spectacular improvement. Dr. Coleman, similar other sort of fringe uses of fat that you've on, seen? On, on the uh, uh, so, sort of lighter side of, of that discussion, the opposite side of the hand, the back of the hand, I uh, published a paper a long time ago, about using fat grafting to um, to rejuvenate the skin there, and I followed people for 16, 17 years with scars and watched the scars gradually go away. Um, it, you know, you were talking about radiation. For uh, I've been lecturing a lot uh, with the craniofacial surgeons because they've started using it for birth defects and for big trauma to the skull. We have another Department of Defense project at. University of Pittsburgh right now that I go out once a month for, and I operate on um, on soldiers with uh, facial war injuries using fat grafting. Um, it's it's um, uh, you've already mentioned buttocks, but you know uh, the any place in the body 
that you have a deficiency, like a muscle that's torn or damaged or, or has a, a disease, uh, you can restore the size. Of that. And it, it's really limited by your imagination. And could I say something about Bravo? Sure, sure, please. You know, I, I think the idea of reverse expansion is really genius. And, and um, it, it, I think it will, as time goes on, show uh, more and more uses. But one of the, the parts that, that Roger didn't mention is that uh, another friend of ours, very, uh, Gino Rigotti, uh, showed me about 10 years ago experiments he was doing with reverse expansion in which he showed that under reverse expanded uh, tissue, if you put fat, that it actually cultures the fat. So it makes it grow. And, and that's... Um, that that's a really, I think, an important aspect, a really important aspect, uh, is that not only are you providing uh, a great place to put the fat by making a better vasculature and more space, but after the fat is there, if you keep expanding, that you actually can make the fat grass grow. Okay, and, and no, that just stands to reason, too, when you think about it. We've, we've been talking about how the fat really incorporates and becomes just a natural part of that person's body. And when you're using, uh, what we're talking about, if it's not clear, the Brava system is kind of a, a complicated plastic bra that is placed on the chest that forms a seal around the breasts, and it uses a vacuum, creates a, gen a gentle vacuum that pulls the skin of the breast forward and all of the breast tissue underneath as well. And so it's, it's pulling all of this tissue forward to try and stretch it gently over time and create a larger breast with more space. And it, it's successful in doing that. And so what we're talking about is using vacuum to pull on tissue and to expand it over time. And when you, if you've already had fat grafting, as is the case with uh, Dr. Curry's, yeah, by the time he does his second procedure on a patient, that the fat grafts that have been placed before, well, they've incorporated, and they're expanding just like all the other tissue. That just stands to reason. It, it, we see tremendous potential. What, what I, we haven't talked about, though, are what the limitations are. We're going to take a short break. and When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the limitations of fat grafting. Who should it be used on? And really, more importantly, who shouldn't? Uh, who, what patients should you not be grafting? And what historically have been the problems and have we found solutions to those problems? We're going to talk about that after we come back from this short break here on New Reflections. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. If you need a coronary bypass procedure, you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town. You might get more than you bargained for. This is your face and body we're talking about. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We've been talking about fat grafting with a very distinguished panel of surgeons, Dr. Sidney Coleman, Dr. Cameron Kabehi, and Dr. Roger Curry. And we're back, and we're, we've been talking about all the benefits, and, and there's a tremendous amount of benefits, more than we ever knew when things got started. When Dr. Coleman first stood up and said, hey, you know, I think maybe moving fat around might be a good idea, uh, he took a lot of heat for his work in the beginning in the world of plastic surgery you know he he got a lot of criticism in some of his early work and of course uh things have come around and you know he's really lauded as as one of the the godfathers of fact grafting but through those time you know we we've all seen in, in our own efforts to use the technique we've seen some limitations and some problems in fact if you look on realself.com and you look up fat transfer or fat grafting there's only a 46% success rate, you know, uh, of happiness rate, I guess, with or satisfaction with the technique. These are people that are writing about their experiences, and, and only roughly half of the people that are having this done for themselves seem to be happy with the results. And we're trying to figure out why that is. And we've had a lot of different problems, and Dr. Coleman mentioned, you know, there, it can be globular. We was talking about grafting underneath the eyes. You can get little bumps. And I think that we've there have been refinements to technique, but Let's talk about some of the problems that we've had in using it and the, and the ways that we've now come around and why things are better th today than they have been. Dr. Kubehi, what do you think the limitations have been for you, and what, what problems have you seen in your patients in maybe some of your earlier attempts at, at this technique? When I started doing a fat grafting, I was uh, mainly was focusing on doing it for really replacing the implant, doing breast augmentation. But... Uh, one thing I found out was that the patients that want breast augmentation, the, most of them, they focused on the size. But with the fat grafting, you're more focused on quality. You get some quantity too, but the main the objective of the fat grafting is quality of tissue, quality of result. So the patients, they come in and they are younger patients, and during the consultation, they're more focused, they want to be deep, they focus about that, uh, they want a fake look. They're not a candidate for fat grafting. Um, and I think uh, we should do a better job of finding the patients that fat grafting is going to work for them. And, uh, and these are the patients that they're more um, um, educated. They're more focused about the quality. Uh, they had pregnancy. They, and they are trying to achieve the size they had it before going through pregnancies. And that way, we will have less problem with just focusing on the size, what percentage of the fat is going to take. Because we have noticed the same issue with implants. When we do a breast augmentation of the patient, nationwide there's about 15 to 20% reoperation because of the patient unsatisfactory, unsatisfaction with the breast implant size or result. And so you're saying patient selection, like a lot of, of the procedures that we do, you're saying that patient selection 
is important. So if if surgeons have have failed in their techniques, really the failure it has been just choosing someone who probably wasn't a great candidate for that particular technique. To some degree. And the okay. second thing was that uh, there is no standardized technique really out there for harvesting the fat, processing the fat, and injecting the fat. And you see in the meetings that they, the presenters they talk about that they say, I'm using the Coleman technique. But when they present the technique, you see that, no, that's not what they're using. It's just totally different thing. That everybody comes up with their own variation of it. And then later on they say that, well, it didn't work or we didn't have a satisfactory result because really they didn't follow the protocols and they come up with their own technique. And I don't think we're never going to have it standardized, same way we don't have it for the facelift. Every surgeon has different uptake on that one. But one of the reasons for this one is because we don't have any uh, specific protocol that harvests harvest the fat and how to inject it. Well, I think, I think you know, we'll, we'll go to Dr. Coleman now. Dr. Coleman, you have spent a great deal of your career learning and figuring out exactly what the best techniques are for this. And you've published a number of papers and, and updates on your papers. And you have changed your technique over the years. But I think that your papers are out there and anyone can read them and, and learn good techniques. So, you know, perhaps uh, one good advice from what Dr. Kabe is talking about is if you're thinking about having fat grafting, make sure you find a surgeon that has been using it for a while that has had success and that is, you know, really current on modern techniques because things do change. Dr. Coleman, in your experience, you, know, you have the, the longest experience and certainly the most public and the most uh, published experience in fat grafting. What have your mountains to climb been and, and, and what mountains are you currently climbing? What have you gotten over? I, I think one of the biggest problems with fat grafting is it's so natural uh, that if you make a breast bigger, and, and, and reshape it, it in, in the right way, you can't tell anything was done, and people forget what they used to look like. So my biggest problem is getting people to come back and take pictures and look at them, because a lot of people, they come back with a, a whole cup and a half size difference, but they forget what they used to look like, or they come, come back with a really strong jawline like they always had it. So oh yeah, there's no question. I, we see, I see this in facelift surgery all the time because when you create a nice, soft-looking result, I agree with you completely. When you have a nice, soft-looking result, patients very commonly forget where they came from, and they think, "Well, gee, this this just sort of looks like me. This is the way I've always been." And, and when you do sit down and you show them the photographs and the changes, and suddenly they remember, which you know, frankly, I think that's a good thing. The whole point of what we do Absolutely. is to make someone more comfortable with how they look. It's, it's good that they forget where they were when they didn't like how they looked, but it is a problem with satisfaction. Right. So when they fill out those forms for satisfaction, if they haven't been back to look at their pictures and, and or the surgeon who took the pictures didn't take pictures very well so he can show the difference, uh, and I think that initially was a huge problem, is that surgeons just weren't taking pictures that showed the change in, in, in tagraph. For instance, if you... If you uh, Put, put fat into the lips in, in the muscle, not in the vermilion. You just move the lip forward. And unless you take a picture from the side and see that you, you've deformed the lip by doing that, uh, you think the fat just went away. But what, what happened is it just didn't do what it was supposed to do. So it, it, it's the trick of, of if you do do something really well, uh, it, it sort of it is, is so natural that uh, it escapes. 
patients sometimes. I, I, I've one, seen that. I've seen that. You know, one of the things you talk about, the, you know, deforming the lips, and one of the things that is, had been a recurring theme, and this is now really many years ago up, up to this point, but uh, there still are some patients out there that have this complaint is that, you know, they get lumps or bumps or that, that things are, are too full. What would you say about that? Well, you know, I, one of the themes of most of my talks uh, recently includes the fact that, that different types of fat uh, give different results. And, and I think that we're, we're, reaching, we're reaching toward better, more standardized uh, uh, fat grafting techniques. And one of them, one of the big advances for me was, was to separate out the different parts of, of the fat after I centrifuge it to give it more predictability. Because if you put oily fat in one area and then right next to it put really dense fat, you're going to get a different take. And, and even, even the best surgeon, if, he, if, he's, if, if he's injecting different things into different areas, can actually get different takes. So I, I, right now we're still somewhat in a development stage. Uh, fat grafting has become standard of care, uh, and it will become much, much more standard of care. But we still, we still are developing a lot of the techniques, and uh, and it's not perfect yet. There's no question, Dr. Curry. Anything to add? You know, problems that you've had and, and ways that we've gotten gotten over them. Well, I I, I will echo Dr. Kubehi. I think patient selection is very important. The patient has to understand what we're doing here. When I look back at my series, uh, the vast majority of my patients are college graduates and, and a higher level of education, and about one in five is in medicine, either a physician or physician's immediate family or a nurse. So you, you're looking at patients who really want to understand what they want to have. They just do not want to have a simple implant. They want something better. That's what you're giving them. You're giving them something better, and they have to understand that compliance is important. The focus of my work has been uh, improving the the field in which you put the seeds. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about how to get better seeds and how to harvest them better, treat them in centrifuge or whatever, but very little about how to prepare this, the field. And preparation of the field, unfortunately, is very dependent on the patient's own input. So an intelligent woman who really understands and work at it will get a better result. The two well, no-nos I have for, uh, for fat crafting is smokers. Smokers don't do well at all. Yeah, no question of that. Uh, and, and, and some of my patients who are still on chemotherapy taking Herceptin uh, is, is also a drug that, that will prohibit the survival of the graft, and, and that's not a good, a good thing to do. They have to stop their Herceptin chemotherapy. Well, I, I think that smoking is, is a key point, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to cut everybody short here. We're coming to the end of the show. I want to thank you guys all for coming. We could, we could continue talking about this for quite some time. And, you know, we'll, maybe we'll do a follow-up show uh, after a little bit of time, and we'll talk about some of the more, uh, some of the latest advances. Adam, Adam, can I make one last comment? Sure. Uh, you know, for the listeners, it really is important that you choose good surgeons because there's a big problem right now with infections and even injecting into blood vessels associated with, with, with this procedure. So make sure you get a good surgeon and not some not a French, do some research. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I always say, yeah, in this show, we're always talking about doing your homework. And I think listening to the show is one great way to do your homework. I encourage everyone, if you're looking to have work done, if you're in New York, you can look up Dr. Coleman. If you're in uh, Louisiana, certainly Dr. Cabay, he's an excellent choice. Dr. Curry does excellent work here in Miami. And uh, the best way, if you have no idea where to find a surgeon, start with plasticsurgery.org. Very simple. Plasticsurgery.org is the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. 
You'll get a board-certified surgeon with experience, and you can make your choices from there. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. I want to thank Dr. Sidney Coleman, Dr. Cameron Kabehi, and Dr. Roger Curry for being on the show this week. Join us next week. We'll be talking about breast reduction, and uh, we'll be right back at the same time, 12 o'clock Eastern Time, on New Reflections. We hope you stayed informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for new reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend.